back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast, everyone. I am your host, Austin, coming at y'all with another episode this week. Uh, talking this week, we're uh, looking at uh, a little bit of history, right? Um, if you guys have been following the podcast for a while now, you know that around the time that I started this podcast, I started reading again um, <clears throat> and uh, really kind of rediscovered my love for books. Um, so we're going to be talking about domestic terror uh, groups and the revolutionary movement that really kind of had a grip on the United States through the 50s, 60s, and 70s into the very beginning parts of the 80s and the Reagan presidency. Um, I was on the road a couple, well, I guess it was about a month ago. I <clears throat> uh, went out of town for my wife's birthday. I stopped at one of those, I think it was just called Book Warehouse, um, one of those bookstores uh, at a outlet mall. Um, and I like stopping there because it's usually just cheap books. It's like three for 20 bucks. Um, and it's not always the same stuff that you see on the shelves at Barnes and Noble. Um, sometimes it's some older publications, things like that. Um, so I picked up this book. It's called Tonight We Bombed the U.S. Capitol, the explosive story of M19, America's first female terrorist group, written by William Rosenau. Um, M19 being a uh, shorthand or abbreviation for the May 19th Communist Organization, uh, domestic terrorist group uh, that was active and involved with a bunch of other groups. We're going we're gonna to get into it all and... Um, not really funny, I guess, oddly enough, um, a lot of what was done, um, then right. 50 some years ago in the seventies, um, <clears throat> it has a lot of parallel with what we see today with a lot of movements. Um, you'll see that some ideas, uh, some, some things there, there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of connections, um, over what would be an otherwise large gap, you know, talking about 30 years difference here. Um, I thought it's, I found it to be a really enlightening book. Um, I definitely recommend it for anybody who's just interested in seeing, <clears throat> you know, kind of what our country has gone through. Um, you know, I usually don't advocate, advocate for watching of the news, but you have to get your current events information somewhere. Um, and I think that with all the stuff that the media puts out, we kind of, we lose sight really easily of what's already happened. <clears throat> we kind of sensationalize a lot of the things that are in the news, um, and then also depending on whoever is in power, um, whichever party holds the white house or holds Congress, whenever laws are being passed, right. Kind of helps direct the focus of where the media is at. So when we were seeing a lot of these quote, peaceful protests in 2020, the lockdowns and things like that, and a lot of the political ideas and political movements that have <clears throat> taken our country, uh, kind of by storm in these last two years, they've really gained a lot of momentum. Um, these aren't original ideas. You'll, you'll come to find out a lot of these are, are, you know, like Xerox copies of stuff that was sensationalized and was revolutionary, um, both literally and figuratively back in the seventies, sixties in the United States. Um, so I, I took, I have like four pages of notes here. I'm going to get into, um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we're going to get into it. Um, as always though, here at the prepared mindset, I have to say, thank you. We've got some awesome sponsors here. Um, and they, they help support us. They help support the effort, right? So, uh, first eclipseholsters.com guys, if you're carrying a firearm, you need to carry it in a good 
quality holster. That's like step two. Step one being buy the firearm. Step two, get a good quality holster if you plan on concealed carrying. And even if you don't, got to be able to secure that trigger appropriately if you're just storing it in the home. Head over to EclipseHolsters.com. They got all kinds of designs, all kinds of options, whether you need something to carry with a belt, uh, without a belt, ladies. They have options for you there. Okay, um, both Velcro or, you know, Alta Clip or um, what the hell is it called? Like the monoblock clip, the discrete carry concepts, I think, uh, monoblock clip. Those are really popular. Those work really well. Um, they hooked us up with our code, Prepared Mindset. It's going to save you guys 20% off your order. And Jess and her team guarantee they'll have your order done and in the mail to you in three business days or less. Pretty badass hookup, if I do say so myself. So prepared mindset saves you 20%. Anything over hundred bucks gets you free FedEx two day shipping, which is killer. And like I said, three days or less in the mail on its way to you. So you can start carrying with a better quality holster, eclipseholsters.com. Also mymedic.com. Guys, if you're going to carry a gun, right? Get your holster from Eclipse. Make sure you have your medical. Okay. If you have the ability to create holes, you need to have the ability to plug holes, head over to mymedic.com, use our discount code mindset20, pick up tourniquets, pick up gauze, clotting agents. Maybe you don't need all of uh, a whole kit. You can pick up supplies there. Maybe you're new to this. Maybe, you know, you're thinking to yourself right now, shit, I really do need to look at that whole medical thing, but I really don't know. Head to mymedic, get yourself a kit. All right. Whether it's one of their everyday carry kits, uh, whether it's a, a MyFAC, it's money well spent. You can use your HSA account, you know, our code mindset 20, save you 20% off. They're also affiliate partners here. So if you go through our link tree on Instagram, use the link, you can still use our discount code, but if you spend some money there, a little bit of that's going to come back to support what the podcast does. And again, you can use your HSA, right? A lot of workplaces offer those. Now you can pay for these supplies with that rather than cash out of your pocket. And every purchase comes with access to free educational content. So not only do you have the supplies to be an asset, you have the information to make sure you're not just, you're not a liability, right? MyMedic.com, go check out all the awesome kits they have over there and all the great work they're doing to help not only the 2A community, but those getting outdoors with hiking, biking, they have a pet medic, all sorts of great stuff. MyMedic.com, again, our code mindset20. Um, we are also affiliate partners with dry fire mag guys head over to our link tree. You can head over to our Facebook page, our offer section, check out my, uh, sorry, <laughs> check out dry fire mag. Uh, if you're looking to save money on ammo and let's face it, we all are check out dry fire mag, work on your pistol skills without having to rack that slide every single time. If you guys go pick up a dry fire mag, again, their affiliate partners ours here at the prepared mindset. So for every dollar you spend, a little piece of that comes back to help support what we do here, dryfiremag.com. Okay, let's get into it. Um, so I, I mean, I, I took these notes, right, and I kind of wrote them down as, um, as I went. Um, some of it's funny, some of it's serious. Um, we're, I'm going to go through kind of what I wrote down, all right? Um, <clears throat> the first group that they really talked about um, right. was May 19th. That's the origin of this book, or I guess the focus, right? The May 19th organization actually got its roots in two other, uh, domestic terror organizations, one called students for a democratic society, which was actually an offshoot of a larger organization, which was called the weather underground organization. Okay. 
Um, they're both radical uh, liberal groups. And through the 70s, they were uh, responsible for dozens of bombings for government buildings. Right, that was how they decided they were gonna uh, uh, make their mark, get their message across, be noticed, whatever have you. Right, so obviously violent protests of American imperialism, uh, things like that. Throughout the book, you get a lot of information around this. They they stole um, dynamite and blasting caps and things like that. Um, and a lot of this stuff, you, you you'll read, you'll go through, you'll find it. It just you know, uh, so in, in some instances, well cared for. In other instances, there were issues and mistakes made. But <clears throat> so after the Weather Underground organization kind of fell apart, and if you guys want more information on that group specifically, the Weather Underground, I would suggest looking it up. Um, it's kind of an odd, kind of an odd structure they had going on. Um, they would hold like regular critique sessions um, where they would sit there and just roast you a fellow member for hours at a time, basically to help weed out any differences in ideology. So, um, kind of almost sounded borderline cult like with the, the devotion and dedication and things that they, they push towards. But so after the weather underground fell apart, this May 19th communist organization was born. Okay. It was created and led by women. Okay. Um, Judy Clark and Susan Rosenberg. All right, I believe both of whom have been incarcerated. Um, this is an organization that is, uh, it was Marxism, Leninism guided. So that was their guiding principles, was Marxist ideals, um, Leninism, things like that, which if we are trying to draw any parallels, you know, if not immediately, then later on. The, the folks that, that started the Black Lives Matter um, organization, not the idea, right, but the actual organization, BLM, Black Lives Matter, they've come out and are self-professed. Um, they are they are Marxist, uh, individ, uh, educated individuals, tr- uh, classically trained Marxists. I forget what the actual phrase was that they used. Um, but essentially, like, uh, very, very much in line with communist ideals. That's where, you know, Karl Marx and, and Lenin um, in Russia, right? Communism took hold there. Um, so... Um, <clears throat> they were again a radical liberal group, um, very feminist. Um, it was kind of a time where the feminism movement was kind of what was helping to spawn a lot of these offshoot organizations um, that were related um, but less violent than May nineteenth. And something I thought that was worth noting because it was kind of you're starting to see these different like cells at the time um, in the seventies, these different cells of these female dominated. Um, revolutionary groups or radical groups. And I wrote a couple of them down just because some of them were just straight up funny. Um, you know, the gutter dykes in San Francisco, um, the furies in Washington, DC, and then, um, clit in New York, which was an acronym for collective lesbian international terrors. Um, didn't make that up. I had to reread that three times. That was something that that's a real organization. You can go look it up. Uh, there was an, domestic terror group, or, you know, they consider themselves revolutionaries in the seventies, albeit they were less violent, um, than, than May 19th. Now, um, all these groups, they denounced sexism, chauvinism, and misogyny. Um, let's see, sexual oppression, capitalism, racism, imperialism, all went together according to May 19th. Um, and they required liberation from those ideals. 
So, um, I think we can all kind of agree that racism is bad. Um, and sexual oppression is, is a bad idea. Um, but these were the things that they were fighting against things like capitalism, um, which, you know, we'll come back to over and over again. Um, but it's, it's, it always comes back to this. Those with aren't giving enough to those without. Um, and we see this a lot with, um, people with, with politicians like Bernie Sanders, um, with people who are radically liberal today that are screaming for things like, oh, you know, corporations, they need to, they need to pay their fair share, which happens to be some exorbitant amount. Um, and not that I necessarily agree with the notion or sorry, disagree with the notion, but if you look at economics and how it works, these people have shareholders to answer to, you know, it never, it never works that way. Oh, well, we're just going to increase taxes on large corporations <clears throat> who then either move the jobs out of the country so they don't have to abide by those. Um, or they just increase the prices on their goods, which then in turn hurt the people it's meant to help. Um, you know, there's, it's not, it doesn't ever really work out that way, but capitalism in it, in and of itself is always what's blamed in these situations. Capitalism is bad. Okay. Um, and again, like I said, these were mostly female groups, <clears throat> but, uh, May 19th did allow men in as long as they were, um, quote, tuned to the correct ideological frequency. So basically, um, you know, if you, you had to really buy into what they were believing in, you know, you had to really align with their ideas. Um, otherwise, you know, no go. Um, and, and that, that's, that maintained, uh, to be relatively true through the history of the organization. There were a couple men that were involved and you guys can look into it and read it, uh, or read about it. But yeah, only a few guys were actually admitted into the group and allowed in, um, another domestic terror group that was specifically talked about was the women's international terrorist conspiracy from hell or which it's another acronym. Um, what I made a special note of for them in their 1968 manifesto, um, is, and this is, this is an excerpt. So I would encourage you to go to read the entire thing. If you have more questions about this, or if this is something that, that is piquing your interest, I found it interesting. Um, they were breaking the bond of women as biologically and sexually defined creatures. It implies the destruction of passivity, consumerism, and commodity fetishism. So again, you're kind of hitting on a couple of things that we see a lot of today, right? Breaking the bond of women as biologically and sexually defined creatures. And this obviously just immediately, right? Immediately triggered my thought of our new Supreme Court justice who uh, in front of the panel that was uh, interviewing her, interviewing her could not define what a woman was as she was not a biologist. So in a lot of instances, right, we may sit here today and think that, wow, how did the world get here? Um, this whole concept of gender is a social construct and uh, men and women are only two of the many, many options someone can define themselves with. Um, not, It's not exactly that black and white. And, and you know what, in this particular instance, this may be speaking more in terms of breaking the bond, um, biologically and sexually defined creatures. It may be in a slightly different lens. I, I don't know for sure, but it, it does strike to a lot of the same things that we're, um, hearing about in the news today that we're dealing with in the news today. Um, it's not a new concept, but it's 
it's just being pushed now uh, again. And, and now we're seeing this not as a radical idea. We're not seeing this as um, <clears throat> something that you shouldn't associate with. Now it's being promoted even, right? Now we got all this negative publicity around the quote, um, don't say gay bill in Florida, right? We have a uh, transgender uh, secretary of, I want to say it's secretary of education. I could be wrong on who that is or what, what position um, she holds. Um, you know, it's a changing world, but not a, not a new concept. And yeah, the, some of these things have taken hold, right? Something to consider. Um, when, when looking at looking back, you can see in a lot of instances, right? That history moves almost in a cyclic fashion. So, um, and I, whenever I, I say the word revolution, right, there's that, that monologue that Tommy Lee Jones has, um, towards the end of, uh, under siege, right. <clears throat> Where he talks about a movement, uh, hence the name, you know, it moves a certain amount of distance or a certain amount of time, and then it stops. It's where revolution gets its name because it just keeps coming around and back around, smacking you in the back of the head or something like that. I probably just butchered that, but I, I, I look into this stuff, and whenever I see the term revolution or revolutionary, right, I, I jump back to Tommy Lee Jones's monologue in Under Siege. So uh, if you guys haven't seen Under Siege, it's probably one of the best Steven Seagal movies um, before he kind of like, you know, lost his mind and everything early nineties, uh, cool flick, definitely a good action film for any of you guys that enjoy those should definitely go check it out. Um, I digress. So one of the first organizations I had talked about, right? Students for a democratic society, they actually had a, a offshoot that was specifically targeted towards high school students. And it was called the high school student union, which seems fairly innocent right um but they they were not they um they uh just it's another very radical liberal revolutionary group that just happened to be comprised primarily of high school students that was it was in a like it was a feeder group or an offshoot right um of a domestic terror organization and kind of like we're seeing now, where we're seeing a lot of public school systems are largely being used as like indoctrination centers, um, spreading only <clears throat> liberal ideologies, um, kids that refuse to participate in walkouts against um, gun rights or walking out of school in favor of gun control after a school shooting. Students that refuse to do that were punished, right? Um, and then also, you know, kind of ridiculed and jeered by their peers uh, because they didn't go along with this. Kind of the same kind of the same concept you're seeing, albeit a little bit more organized. Um, but again, it definitely not new. The difference being that now it has the support of the institution behind it, which should make you more concerned. Reading this, I got more concerned and I don't even have kids that are in public school. But we all know peer pressure is a thing, and that if you don't go along with what's popular, then life gets more difficult. I'm sure a lot of us listening understand how that worked back in school, middle school, high school, right? Um, and these groups, they can be tied back to um, Stokely Carmichael and the Black Power Movement in the late 60s, around 1967-ish, right? Um, the Black Power Movement, everyone is very well aware of the black power movement. It's discussed very openly in schools when we talk about uh, the civil rights movement in the same time period, right? Dr. Martin Luther King, 
that's still being taught in public schools as long as as far as I know. Um, but he, Stokely Carmichael, created a narrative that uh, somehow tied racism in the U.S. to the Vietnam War. Um, and this this whole thing it just has a lot of really strong parallels. When I was reading this, um, to the to BLM and how everything's racist and everyone is a white supremacist. If you disagree with their notion, if you publicly speak out against um, their ideals, against their message, you're immediately, more so now than I think probably any at any other time in history, right? You're just immediately labeled a white supremacist in conversations that have nothing to do with race, immediately labeled a white supremacist. Um, I myself <clears throat> have been told I'm a white supremacist. I've been told I'm a racist. Uh, I've been told I'm a Nazi because I have conser- some conservative views, and I, I have some liberal views too. I mean, I like to think that I, I, I walk pretty pretty down the center on a lot of things, um, but I do. I lean, I lean right on a lot of things, um, and because some of those just happen to be hot button issues that other folks don't agree with um things like hey if you want welfare you should have to be able to pass a drug test that apparently makes me a white supremacist um i'm very pro second amendment obviously that apparently makes me a nazi um you know it's i think we're shaped by our life experiences uh and i think that folks that have a hard time coming to terms with the fact that life is not fair uh, often reach to those kinds of statements uh, because it's the easy way out. Um, but at any rate, um, Stokely Carmichael, Black Power Movement, um, there was a film, made a specific note here, called Battle of Algiers. This was, I believe, it was a foreign film. Um, this was something that was uh, used by a lot of these groups to help bring in um, new membership and college-age membership. Um, and they, they would play it at rallies and at events and things. Uh, it, the film specifically offered instruction in the language of, uh, of communiques, how to organize cells, the placement of terror bombs. And here's, here's one really just mm, the value of cop killing. And I read this and, and this is a film, right? That's focused around a revolutionary group, um, and and really makes them out to be the heroes in this in this particular instance, um, but I can't help but look but but read about that and think about that and think about everything we encountered with the quote summer of love in 2020, uh, Chaz and Chop right, um, not so much with uh, I think communiques, and but definitely organization of cells within those groups. <clears throat> um, we saw, or you know, mobs, right? There was some organization there. In a lot of instances, they had targeted goals. So organization of cells, um, placement of terror bombs. I know I remember seeing uh, stuff in the news, right? Places, places were getting firebombed. Uh, not always were they government institutions. Uh, in some cases, they were. Again, in Seattle, I know there were police departments that were firebombed. Um, and it doesn't always have to be a government building. In a lot of instances, it could just be a building and it gets firebombed, and that's supposed to be some kind of message of protest, uh, allegedly. And then the value of cop killing, uh, there, you know, since George, the George Floyd incident, 
Um, I feel like police officers and law enforcement in this country have, have, call, have fallen under a lot heavier scrutiny. Um, in some instances, it's warranted. In many instances, it really isn't. Um, I remember seeing some early college-aged individuals on my social media, kids that I used to um, not personally instruct, but were in the, the marching band programs that I had worked with, um, calling out people who were uh, other instructors on staff who happen to work in law enforcement of their day job um, and explain to them that they don't understand how the world works and that they shouldn't be on social media arguing with her. They should be out there doing their job like her taxes pay for, which is hilarious because I'm pretty sure at you know 19 years old going to state college, she actually wasn't paying any taxes. Her parents were, um, which is just like one thing on the long list of ridiculous shit that uh, kids these days just don't understand. They think that everybody works for them, especially the police. Um, but that's a whole other issue. Um, but that was, yeah, that was a film, Battle of Algiers. That was heavily promoted, heavily talked about. Um, I guess you can maybe draw some parallels to some of the music videos that we see today uh, in popular culture, uh, where it's very much glorified in being a revolutionary and, you know, very anti-law enforcement for a variety of reasons. Uh, glamorizes drug use and promiscuous sex, which, again, not a new concept, uh, but but indeed possibly a parallel there. Um, there was uh, one other group that I pointed uh, or that I made note of. Um, I think this is one of the only times you really hear about it in the book, but uh, it's called the Tribal Thumb Group that was active in the early 1970s. Um, why they're of any kind of importance and significance. Um, they supported an individual named Sarah Jane Moore, who was, uh, she attempted to assassinate President Gerald Ford in 1975. Um, now again, notable because she was associated with a, what is defined as a domestic terror group um, that attempted to assassinate the president. We don't really see a whole lot these days of, uh, at least that we hear about, right, assassination attempts. Um, we did for many years, right? Um, obviously, the Kennedy assassination, the one I just mentioned by Sarah Jane Moore on President Ford. Um, President Reagan had at least one that I can think of um, assassination attempt on his life. So, you know, as we've gotten better at working against domestic terror groups as a government and as a country, right, those have gone away, um, but we can't, we kind of forget that that's a possibility. You hear about other world leaders having attempts on their life, whether successful or not. We don't necessarily think about it happening here in the U.S. Um, now, another group, again, this is going to come full circle here, or at least, I guess, circle back to, we talk about Black Lives Matter and that organization, right? Their logo is a black raised black fist, um, is the BLA. The Black Liberation Army, uh, 1970s San Francisco Bay Area. Um, some, you know, involvement with Stokely Carmichael, the Black Power Movement, right? Um, but BLA was uh, ran by Eldridge Cleaver as an offshoot of the Black Panthers, which if you guys know your history on the Black Panther Party, um, they are the group in California that overtook the, say, was it this, I think it was the state legislature building in California with firearms. Um, and that's kind of what led to Reagan's big push for gun control and things like that in America. Um, and a lot of people blame the Reagan administration and Reagan presidency for getting the ball rolling in that direction. And he was a Republican president. 
you know? So to some extent, I would say rightfully so. Um, but obviously the Black Panther is a very influential part of our country's history for a lot of different reasons, um, but certainly, you know, profiled and categorized as a domestic terrorist group. <clears throat> um, BLA, right, noted uh, famously for having uh, mottos like, it's, it's time to start killing cops. This is retaliation for ongoing atrocities. Um, you know, and then uh, their slogan was off the pig. You know, killing cops, again, ties to what we're talking about today, where cops are being specifically targeted. Uh, we had, again, during 2020, we had uh, how many officer, uh, police officers that were assaulted, uh, ambushed style tactics, things like that, um, losses of life unnecessarily so. And I get that both sides are hurting law enforcement, obviously. Um, and then anybody who's involved in, in police shootings, I, I get the family loses people and it's not a very cut and dry subject. Um, but the deliberate targeting, targeting of law enforcement, again, it falls under domestic terror. You know, that's not how organized and civilized societies live. Um, and that's what a lot of these organizations aim to disrupt. Uh, and in many instances, and you can, you can read into this, um, but targeting law enforcement was a big, big, big thing for many of them. Um, a lot of police officers uh, were were killed or injured by these groups through the 60s and 70s. Um, and if I, I encourage you, read the book. It goes into a lot more depth and a lot more detail than, than I can. Um, my, my goal with this right now is just to kind of talk about domestic terror in the country and how it we've seen it um, sort of start flying more under the radar, right? Um, but then it, it is linked closely to a lot of what we see as popular in the country right now. But um, anyways, the Black Pan, uh, sorry, the Black Liberation Army, um, they actually, ex they ended up expanding targets. They ended up going just beyond killing police officers, um, started targeting uh, pimps, whores, drug dealers, um, quote, owners of uh, trick houses. They, uh, you know, you can't just dispense street justice. Um, here in Michigan, in Grand Rapids, at the beginning of April, we had an officer-involved shooting, which is still, I believe, under investigation. Um, and I'm not going to say any more than that, um, but I remember watching the video uh, about 12 days, almost two weeks after the fact, and uh, seeing comments on YouTube. Right. Comments like, uh, the, you know, police officer is not the judge. The police officer is not the jury. He's got no right. Well, the same goes both ways. If anything, a police officer just by sworn duty and carrying a firearm and everything is more apt to come into those circumstances and situations. Um, but again, not empowered to, you know, carry out summary executions for someone who's breaking the law or is, um, otherwise a negative impact on society. That's what this group was targeting, you know, pimps, whores, drug dealers, and owners of trick houses. So while the intent for them was to improve society, um, very much illegal, very much a problem. Um, and, um, very much a bunch of bad issues here. Um, the BLA is also tied to multiple bank robberies. Um, which, <laughs> Uh, you're kind of seeing, uh, I guess you could, you could loosely tie that to what we're seeing today in the news where you see, um, these large groups of people, 
um, just flooding stores, grabbing as much shit as they can and running out with it. Um, I watched a video where a lady literally went into a grocery store, filled her cart with meat, um, and a store manager followed her out with one hand is trying to video uh, this lady and get her license plate and stuff. And the other hand, she's trying to pull the cart away and stop her from stealing the, this meat and stuff. Um, this this semi-collapsed society that we're living in, um, it's these are tactics that are being carried out. You know, this is something that's being preached by people, uh, it, oftentimes in elected positions as being okay. Oh, people are hungry. They need the food. So just go take it. Uh, legislators are making laws where it's actually now it is easier to get off with these crimes. You can't arrest people for these crimes. Uh, we're seeing companies pull out of states and cities, uh, because the crime rates are just too high. Um, the amount of uh, loss, if you look at overall inventory uh, and product and product loss, right, is just too great for them to justify keeping stores and locations open. So they close down the, a Target or you know a pharmacy or whatever have you, a grocery store. Those are lost jobs for the community. In addition, everybody has to drive further to get to those stores. Um, so it's it is impactful and it does loosely tie to uh, what we're seeing today in the news where. Just people run, they take whatever they want and they run away and it is what it is. Um, also 1971, uh, the BLA assaulted the Inglewood station house. Um, there were nine BLA members that were involved. Um, it was an attempted slash, uh, botched bombing again, very similar to what we saw with the chop and Chaz incidents where they, um, firebombed the police stations. Uh, they took over the area. Um, in this particular assault, they killed a Sergeant John Young. And that case was actually open until 2009. So think about that. That's shit. Um, 38 years that case was open. Um, they have been proven that throughout this time that the BLA was, uh, was active, right? They targeted cops in Illinois, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and Georgia, and killed 15 police officers total. 15. Guys, that's, that's a lot. Um, due to this amount of behavior, uh, the level of behavior, obviously they're out killing um, public officials, police officers, FBI, CIA, the NSA, uh, the DIA monitored the group and their connection to uh, Middle East terror networks. This is where it starts to get kind of concerning with these kinds of groups and everything is because at one point you start as just an ideolo an ideological movement, right? Which is fine. I mean, to a lot of people, that's what the Second Amendment community is here in the United States of America, um, albeit we're a lawful community um, and not lashing out and striking out against the government. Or, or if we do, right, we do it legally through um, our elected officials and lobbying for gun rights and, and court cases and things like that. But <clears throat> I digress. If you think that these domestic terror organizations didn't get help from outside the country, you're insane. Um, Middle East terror groups, South American terror groups, um, or revolutionary groups, depending on whose uh, perspective and frame of reference you're looking at, they 110% did. And there's documented proof of them working with bomb makers uh, and, and counterfeiters and things like that to help support 
what they were doing here in the United States. <clears throat> now, uh, jumping back a little bit, we talked about the Weather Underground, obviously May 19th, um, but both of those groups, um, like I was saying, they would have member criticism sessions um, where they would get picked apart and they would then have to uh, fight for oneself and demonstrate that they were on the path to political and personal reconstruction. Now, you see that a lot um, in radical culture overseas. You see that kind of behavior in these instances. But where else we're seeing that behavior, <clears throat> and this is a global movement now, but especially here in the United States. Um, and I apologize if I'm kind of jumping around a little bit on these notes, but the whole idea today of being woke, right, uh, of being of the proper mindset. Um, and if you aren't, dude, you are eaten alive by your peers on things like social media. Now, not nearly as bad then because there was no social media in the 70s, right? Today, there is, and it's our largest means of communication, our largest media for interaction as a society is electronically through things like Facebook, and Twitter and Instagram. Um, and if you, if you post any kind of contradictory, uh, thought or mindset or belief, you're immediately called out. The masses just engulf you. Um, and it's very much a mob mentality. Now, the difference is being here that, um, much smaller groups in these situations, but the concept behind it is very much the same. And it breeds this, this indoctrinated belief system and mindset that without even knowing really what it is that you're, you're arguing for and fighting for, you, you believe it wholeheartedly and you're willing to lose family over it. You're willing to destroy friendships over it. You're willing to create enemies of, of total strangers all in the name of some of these concepts and beliefs you have no idea about, but because everybody else does and you know, a piece of it, right? Like, you know, that you don't like Donald Trump, but you don't actually know anything about foreign policy or, you know, environmental uh, sciences or energy. You, you don't know about that stuff, but you know that Donald Trump's an asshole, right? You know that in your heart. So you're going to make an enemy out of all these people arguing something that you know nothing about because the mob, everyone else around you is telling you to, right? You have to uh, fight for your place within the group. You have to prove that you are of the same mindset as the rest of the group. Very much the same. These criticism sessions, um, I would say probably the largest parallel between what you saw then in these radical groups, um, these revolutionary organizations in the 60s and 70s, and what you're seeing today. Now, uh, there may not be a name for it today. It's going to very clearly be less organized, but um, very, very much similar in how, the, how this is carried out and how... They're growing their numbers and just breeding people and, and pulling them in. And the younger, the better, honestly, because as you have less real world experience to draw from, the more impressionable you are because you only know what you've grown up with. Um, in some instances, that's a good thing. And in a lot of instances, it's a bad thing, right? Um, you know, oh, well, we shouldn't pay taxes at all. And I'm, I hate that I, have, I'm, I picked, you know, defending taxes. It might be a really bad example, but... Um, taxes are a necessary part of any society. Every organized society in the history of time has had taxes. Why? Because you have to fund government programs. 
that's how the society works. That's how you pay for things like repairs to, uh, you know, Roman times talk about aqueducts in modern times, talk about things like the shit ass roads here in Michigan, which we still can't fucking figure out. Um, (laughs) but I digress, right? It's just that that's how a civilized society works. Taxes are a part of it. Now you want to talk about the level of taxation, uh, talk about taxation without representation and all of those things, obviously very, very different discussions. Um, but young people haven't paid taxes. They haven't gotten that paycheck and realized, Hey, a third of what I make goes back to the government to pay for the welfare programs that I don't benefit from, uh, the public school here that my kids maybe not go to, or I don't have kids. So I'm paying for something I'm not getting a benefit from at all, but that is the greater benefit of society, right? Um, so while they're young and impressionable and they think they're eight feet tall and bulletproof, if you can get them to start buying into this now, you got them, right? And it's a lot of people. You know, some people change their political views. I certainly did. From the time I was in college, I bought into it. Man, I was full blue Democrat. I thought George uh, George W. Bush was the worst president in the history of our country. Um, I hated, <clears throat> after the first year or two, I hated that we were still uh, going to war in the Middle East. I thought for sure it was ridiculous that we were only going after Saddam Hussein because that's what daddy started. So I got to go finish it, you know, all that shit. Um, and now, you know, fast forward, uh, several years, 10 years, 15 years. And, um, I'm obviously much better educated, much better read on a lot of these issues. I've educated myself on what really caused those decisions to be made. And, you know, still not a huge George W. Bush fan, but I don't, I don't think he was the worst president, uh, in, in the history of our country anymore, certainly. Um, and I also don't buy into, Hey, um, we should make college, uh, free for everyone and, uh, pay and no one should have to pay back their student loans. I mean, I had to pay back mine. Do I think the system needs an overhaul? Yeah. But I, do I think that just throwing money at every problem we have, having the government throw money at every problem is the way to solve it? Absolutely not. Look at the situation we're in now with the stimulus packages, right? Nobody wants to go back to work because it's too lucrative to just stay at home not doing anything. And oh yeah, we cut off that that unemployment. And yet here we are with people still not wanting to go back to work. Uh, Restaurants can't be fully staffed. Um, Manufacturing jobs still can't be fully staffed. Delivery services are killing for personnel because they can't get fully staffed. And that's after we've already met the the demand of, oh, well, we need to pay everybody in fast food $15 an hour. But now it's not enough, right? So you indoctrinate these mindsets at a young age. That's why college campuses and high schools are prime targets for, for liberals, um, you know, via places like the arts. And I, I'm a musician, right? I, I learned a lot about myself and did a lot of growing up in the performing arts um, as a percussionist. Uh, so I, I'm very much a supporter of that, but I can tell you that of all the people that I am friends with that I, that I know from that point of time in my life, which was a while, it was about 10 years of my life between high school and the performing I did after college. Um, and then an additional, almost 10 years as an instructor after I was done. Um, 80% of those people I'd be willing to say are of the liberal mindset, extremely liberal and to the point where I've actually lost several friendships because we just can't seem to see eye to eye on everything. And because of that, they've determined that I'm just a horrible human being, regardless of whatever interactions we had in our youth and, you know, early twenties and stuff, when we had a beer together and shared a lot of laughs and a lot of great memories, 
but today because um, either I disagreed with some of the stuff that that's uh, Barack Obama did or said, or I didn't vote for Joe Biden, or I'm not in favor of packing the court with Democratic justices. Um, I'm a bigot and a Nazi and yada, yada, yada. But um, that, that's how it goes. You know, we're all shaped by life's experiences. Um, and part of growing up is that you have to let it go of childish things. Um, some of us, that takes a lot longer to realize than others. Some people want to hold on to their early 20s well into their 40s. And um, one day they wake up and just kind of realize that's not how it works. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's going to shift political parties once they hit 40. Um, but I do think that there's a good reason why a lot of the people in the Republican Party are older. And I think it's because with age comes experience and some changed life experiences. And I mean, that's where I'll leave it. But um, so another domestic terror group that, that was uh, mentioned in the book here, it's an affiliate of May 19th, was the John Brown Anti-Klan Committee, or JBAKC for short. Um, and obviously the Ku Klux Klan is a, is a big part of the civil rights movement, specifically in the South here in America. Terrible organization, um, very much a white supremacist organization, um, very much responsible for senseless killing and, and death and racist actions. And just, we don't need to get into who the Klan is. Everybody knows who they are. So this was a group that was um, against the Klan, which uh, at first thought, you're like, well, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm against the Klan too, which is good. Um, however, uh, this particular uh, committee or group um, is actually the earliest formings of the Antifa movement here in the United States or anti-fascist movement. Um, they denounced abortion clinic bombers, Zionism, imperialism, fascism, killer cops, and uh, high security prisons. Um, the fascism bit, uh, obviously it's in the name anti-fa- uh, Antifa, anti-fascist. Um, they are very prominent in the news and in the protests around the country. They very much hate Donald Trump. That's why the term fascist gets thrown around with, with Trump all the time. Um, and very critical, obviously, of uh, killer cops, right? Again, we see George Floyd, um, you know, and the other incidents that we've dealt with across the country in the past two years that every time it just happens, it happens to be a white cop and a black citizen, um, it's pushed straight to the front of the news cycle. It is highlighted. It is paraded around. Um, the facts are thrown to the wayside in many instances. Uh, and the only two things left are skin color of the assaulter and skin color of the victim. Um, now a note on Antifa that actually began in Germany after world war II. Um, now the group was, was born to confront neo-Nazis by violence if necessary. Again, that's why you see them throwing around the term neo-Nazi and Nazi at people that don't agree with what they're protesting or agree with what their message is, agree with what they're saying, right? Um, the movement had made its way into the U.S. in the 70s, and uh, they've committed themselves to fighting to the death the ability of organized Nazis to say anything. That's a quote from Mark Bray, who's a activist and historian. Um, and just like what we see today, you're not allowed to, you know, you have an idea um, outside of what they believe in, you're targeted, 
Um, there's firebombings, there's protesting, there's bottles thrown, things like that. Um, guys in masks, right? The Antifa guys, they always wear masks. They're such badasses. Um, they never show their faces, though. Um, also not well-trained. Um, there's some really just awesome pictures out there on the internet, though, of some of these guys carrying firearms, and they're they're not loaded, or the magazine's in the gun backwards, or the holster's on backwards. Just, like, completely ridiculous shit, um, which, to an extent, kind of leads us to believe that they're kind of a joke. Um, however, a... Uh, very much a part of history stemming back to Nazi Germany post-World War II um, and then 30 years later they're here in the United States and then 50 years after that they're here and in prominent in society protesting the election of Donald Trump as United States president um, pointing out that everything he does must be fascist and imperialist and um, you know the more things change the more they stay the same folks right so uh, I found that to be really interesting, that a book written about domestic terrorism that happened 40, 50 years ago, 60 years ago in the United States, makes specific mention of the Antifa movement, which is so prominent in today's media. Um, one other note, May 19th member Mary Patton, um, regarding there was a, they carried out a Brinks truck robbery, uh, October 20th, uh, 1981, um, these were they carried out a lot of robberies. May nineteenth did. This was how they they gathered funds, or fundraising, right to, um, to fund their terrorist activities, right? Because they had to keep moving from safe house to safe house. They had to buy guns. They had to buy ammunition. They had to buy supplies to make fake passports and fake IDs and wigs. Um, obviously, food, and they couldn't have any high profile jobs that paid very well because in a lot of instances they couldn't get the jobs because they had been arrested for revolutionary activity or criminal activity in some instances. Um, in some instances, the individuals were wanted with warrants. I know in a couple cases, they actually had a, a couple members had escaped from prison. Um, again, the specifics of all that <clears throat> you can look up, but what really got May 19th on the radar was this Brinks robbery, um, where there was a couple murders, um, very much a worst-case scenario situation for both the robbers and the Brinks crew. Um, but May 19th member Mary Patton, this is a quote of her saying, What happened on October 20th was not a robbery, not a criminal act. To choose to be a cop at this time in the history of the United States, there is a very clear position about whose interests you're defending. There is a war situation in this country, and the police have a very particular side in that war there are going to be more cops who are killed. So that's a direct quote, and it sounds like something that could have been read off of the after, the evening news today. Um, again, this idea of uh, cops are the enemy because they enforce the imperialistic and fascist laws of our society. Um, again, it's the more you look at everything that happened then, and the more it's like you're looking in a mirror with everything that's happening today. It's There's a lot of parallel there. Um, I I mean, I encourage you to read the book really. Um, it's, it's well-written. There's a lot of facts. Uh, there's several pages in the back on all the references that were utilized by the author to write this particular text. Um, but this is why, you know, people get so outraged when people get outraged when you call BLM a terrorist group, 
right? Um, oh, you know, they're a civil rights organization. No, no, they're fucking not. Um, they're a Marxist organization and a terrorist organization. And they have no interest in advancing the civil rights agenda of black America. They just don't. That's why all the money from that fucking organization, instead of being funneled into programs and activities to actually benefit black communities, uh, just benefited a couple black families that bought giant mansions for the founders, the Marxist founders who have come out and basically admitted that they are trying to tear down America. That is, in, in essence, that is their game plan. This country that guarantees all of us, regardless of your skin color, it guarantees you opportunity. It guarantees you freedom of speech. It guarantees you freedom from oppression, which they fully utilize and fully take advantage of, right? They're allowed to say all these things without being jailed just for saying it. They may piss a lot of people off, but it's not illegal, right? And if you look at other countries in the world, that's definitely not the case. So <clears throat> I know I, I jumped around a lot um, with, with this stuff. Um, but, you know, I picked up the book. It looked interesting. It looked fascinating. Um, and just to see that and be able to make the connection that as, as much as things change, we're very much in a, in a similar situation, except that now a lot of these things that we're talking about, right, things that used to be like Antifa, um, uh, targeting of police, whether it's politically or otherwise, um, these were things that were straight out of the revolutionary the revolutionary's playbook in the 60s and 70s right this was the go-to ideals and i mean we multiple groups right may 19th uh the black liberation army right and however many other ones that that i spouted off and listed there right these were their tactics this is how they did business you fast forward to today and this isn't these aren't terrorist tactics this is modern politics you got people like Rashida Tlaib and Omar Ilhan uh, going out there and, and, and complaining and wanting to tear down the democracy. Um, and we have a government administration that wants to restrict the access to firearms for, to law-abiding citizens. So um, while in a lot of instances these, these terror attacks targeted uh, empty government buildings at night, um, in a couple of instances, like these robberies to help fund these movements um, or accidental bombings and things like that, people were hurt. Americans need to defend themselves. But that's a little bit aside from the point. Um, what we're seeing now, these are modern modern politics. It's no longer terrorist tactics. It's modern politics of the liberal left. Right? We hear, oh yeah, the cops are the problem. So you can't go out and openly call for death to all police officers so what can you do to help facilitate that oh i know i know i know we can defund the police so now we're down to one officer per car um, we're down to understaffed shifts we are at response times that can't be managed which means that if response times are that late to get to a citizen and help that needs help what do you think response times are for a cop that needs help i can only assume they are very similar right depending on location especially have one or two cars patrolling a certain area right and if there's more than one incident going on you're kind of shit out of luck and i and and you're seeing it more and more now well where was their partner uh, oh, why didn't they use, uh, why'd they use lethal force? They had no right. 
well. Um, there's an escalation of force that's followed. Also, they're alone. There were other people that were with the suspect. You don't know what they're doing. They're putting themselves in harm's way every day. And yeah, I, I tend to side with law enforcement in these situations. That's, I grew up, I've not, I grew up as a minority. Um, I've been pulled over. I've never had issues with the law because I don't go out and do stupid illegal shit. I don't smoke pot. I don't stay out till five, six in the morning and drive drunk. Um, I don't beat my wife or girlfriend, uh, you know, any of that, any of that crap. All right. I don't consort with, uh, shady individuals. And, but I'm apparent, I've been told I'm wrong for feeling that way. And it's because, uh, I'm, you know, color of my skin means that I can't say things like that, even though I am Hispanic American. So I digress. Um, these are all things that are, are, are pushed and politicized. And, uh, this is part of the political playbook instead of the terrorist playbook today, the political playbook for the liberal left. Um, and again, you know, I mentioned a couple, uh, elected officials, uh, one of which, Rashida Tlaib, is, I believe, a senator here in Michigan. I'm embarrassed that she is a representative of my state. I think that she needs to be removed from her seat immediately, and her her efforts uh, to... Her, her efforts are, are nothing short of embarrassing. Um, she's very anti-American, uh, and not at all an accurate description of folks like myself here in the great state of Michigan, um, that love my country and want to see my country and my countrymen be successful and safe. Um, but yeah, guys, this is, it's a good book. Again, it's called tonight. We bombed the U S Capitol, the explosive story of M 19 America's first female terrorist group. Um, it gets into a lot past uh, a lot of stuff on the ideologies of terrorist groups um, in this instance, it was a lot of feminism and lesbian movement. Um, very interesting read uh, for anybody who is at all interested in, in history um, or trying to you know look at how history may repeat itself, do a compare contrast to modern times. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I, I certainly hope if you guys have the opportunity to look into any of this, uh, shoot me a message. Shoot us an email, prepared.mindset.podcast at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. Um, if what I'm saying, uh, you know, either offended or upset you to some extent, then let's talk about it. Um, I think that not talking about it is is as much an issue as anything else. Um, a lot of these subjects and topics are not are not to be taken lightly. Um, I know certainly that the race struggle still exists in this country, and it's something that we still all have to work through. And some of these organizations were labeled terrorist groups uh, unjustly. The ones that I'd covered thus far, I think were, it was all appropriate. I think once you take the step out of peaceful protesting and in turn turn violent, you take what you want by violence. Um, you use terror to spread your message via bombings and shootings and robberies. Yeah, then you don't really have a leg to stand on by saying that you're not a terrorist organization. That's just that's kind of how it goes. Um, and I think that when we think of terrorism here in the United States, we have been very privileged as a country. When we think of terrorism, we think of Al Qaeda, we think of ISIS, uh, we think of Hezbollah, we think of the Middle East. We don't think of the groups that um, used to exist here within our own borders, and in a lot of instances still do today exist within our borders. Um, I think having an understanding of how the ideologies work, um, how the indoctrination works, 
uh, things like that can only aid in in your understanding, your level of personal education, um, and then helping to combat those kinds of groups and what they're trying to do here to our home. Uh, 100% about making change in the country, 100% in favor of the First Amendment, um, but do it peacefully. Follow the laws. There's ways to get things done. It may not be fast, right? But anything worth doing is worth doing right. That's something I learned years ago, something I tell my students, I tell my friends, you know, whatever. It's going to take time. Um, It's going to take commitment. But that's the right way to do things. Um, Taking what you want by fear and by violence is something we've all been taught as children. That's a no-go. That's not how it works. All right. So um, hopefully this was insightful and enlightening or maybe at least got a chuckle out of a couple of things. Um, Guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Uh, We will have more episodes the next coming weeks here, uh, more interviews on the books. Um, Got some very exciting guests that we're working on bringing on. uh, And hopefully, I think, going to try to be next couple months here, be taking another class out of Ann Arbor. So I'll have more on that. Um, as always, if you guys don't follow us, uh, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple podcasts, we're on Google podcast, Instagram, Facebook, uh, locals. So check us out on our pages and, uh, make sure if you aren't following us, you are help us get those numbers up so we can do more, more fun stuff like this, bring you guys more information, help y'all be a little bit more prepared and share with you what, what we're learning as we go. That's all for me this week. So again, thank you for taking the time. And until next time, folks, y'all get out there, work hard, train smarter. And like we always say here, be prepared. 